1: The first injury reports for the season are coming out. A lot of practice reports. Game First game, Thursday night. We're going to talk about uh, all those, uh, all the big issues. We're going to talk about building lineups with my guest, Al Zeidenfeld. Looking forward to doing it here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. <laughs> everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson. My guest today is Al Zeidenfeld. Uh, you can catch Al a lot of places, uh, ESPN mm-hmm. Plus, uh, his Twitch channel on YouTube. Uh, I'm probably leaving a few out, Al. You're all over the place. You're omnipresent, and for good reason. You've been doing this, you know, a good amount of while with a lot of success, and I really appreciate you spending part of your day with me today.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's very hard to try and explain to okay, where can I find your stuff? Well, literally everywhere. Like, yeah. I'm, uh, I've got two YouTube channels that are going to have content six, seven days a week. I'm live on Twitch every day, kind of like a radio show for two to three hours. And article on ESPN, fantasy-focused football podcast, 06010 every Thursday with Mike Clay and Daniel Dopp. It's like, uh, it's hard to miss me if you're in the DFS space. I'm, I got content somewhere that you're used to visiting.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, I love seeing it there. I love how much Twitch has blown up. Uh, I'm going to have Paul Sporer on tomorrow, and he's, Mm -hmm. for for baseball, he's like the man on Twitch, Mm -hmm. I feel like. And I know you've just carved out a great channel for yourself on Twitch as well, and I love seeing that. I just, new avenues for people to check everybody out here.
2: Yeah, it was a vacated space a few years ago, and I said, you know, there's nobody doing fantasy football content on Twitch.
1: Why don't I just try and fill that vacated space? And it's worked out very well. That's great. That's great. I mean, I know gamers love it. And mm-hmm. they're, they're the Venn diagram of gamers and fantasy football players, there's a huge overlap. So it seems like that would make logical, perfect sense. So mm-hmm. I'm glad to see that there. Uh, as alluded to, we got some news. I uh, got some interesting uh, news items here starting off. Uh, George Kittle. This one, is, I've got a lot of exposure to Kittle in my, uh, in some some in basketball, but in my managed teams especially, uh, which is a little troublesome that he picked up a groin injury on Monday in practice. Isn't going to practice today. Uh, They're going to watch this. I know we were talking earlier how Wednesday injury notes, sometimes we're not too concerned about that, Mm -hmm. especially a guy like Kittle. Maybe they manage him. I don't like that he picked it up on Monday, though.
2: No. So typically, especially for veterans, I just ignore the Wednesday practice reports. Some guys just don't practice. Obviously, I'm a little more in tune to it in week one, especially if it's something like Kittle, where it wasn't a known thing coming into the week. So if it's a new injury that he picked up on Monday – that's a little more concerning to me, but typically the Friday practice report is the one that I'm most paying attention to Thursday is the one that perks my ears up a little bit. So if he keeps missing practices, uh, that's not great. If he misses Friday, that usually indicates that they are not going to be likely
1: to play. Exactly. Exactly. And when a player is unsure of a player's availability, when uh, when he himself, uh, the player isn't that positive about it there, that's when that's like a massive red flag for me. I mean, you get sometimes where, you know, the player's like, oh, I'm going to be in now. Fine. You can't keep me out of there. Well, yeah, you can keep you out of there. And they they do. <laughs> yep. And then there's the shiny happy optimism from Pete Carroll, which you always have to discount too. So like Kenneth, you know, Kenneth Walker, the third probably had like three organs removed, but he's maybe doing everything he can on Monday uh, to be able to play. We'll see. Um, but that that's, you know, you got to watch on, on some of the things like that. Uh, another guy we're watching closely, Deontay Johnson, limited practice. Again, Maybe not that big of a deal, except he missed the, you know, he got hurt in the last preseason game, hurt his shoulder. And the quotes here, this is where it gets me. Uh, I said, he try to do everything my alarm, my arm allowed me to do. And mm-hmm. he's doing literally everything in his power to be available for the season opener. That's, that's not exactly positive news.
2: No. And like he projected to be the one wide receiver in that room that was going to be on the field literally at all times. Like all the snap reports from preseason with the, uh, with the ones was in two receiver sets. He was out there 100% of the time and Claypool and the rookie pickings were splitting 50-50 and three wide receiver sets. He was out there 100% of the time. Uh, really unfortunate that he picked up that injury. I was kind of of the mindset that he was not going to be ready to play week one and probably week two after what the initial reports were. So I'm not all that shocked by it, but obviously we adjust. So like Pickens will be a big value in daily fantasy this week if he's going to play 100% of the snaps.
1: Mike Tomlin has drawn a little bit of heat for playing a lot of the starters in the preseason. You know, he he takes a different approach than the Bengals who didn't use their starters mm-hmm. at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of Zach Taylor from the Rams tree, make, make the McVay tree kind of makes sense. That's what the Rams do too. Uh, they do have intense practices. The Rams and Bengals did have a joint practice session. Mm-hmm. Rumor has it there was some intensity on that. Uh, a little bit. Not- Yeah, not quite the same as a a game necessarily, but uh, I understand. You know, Tomlin's never had a losing season. He he may know how to prepare a team for a season. I'm just going to go out on a limb and suggest that that's possible, Uh, as opposed to Jeff from a seat in Monrovia versus on the field (laughs) watching his players. You know, perhaps he knows what he's doing. But man, he's caught some heat this year because TJ White got banged up. Mm -hmm. They hid uh, the Najee Harris injury for a full month, and now and now the news on Johnson. And
2: look to cast absolutely no shade on a extremely accomplished NFL coach. But it's pretty, you know, like having a hall of fame tier quarterback for a decade plus, it, it cleans up a lot of messes. Not that he's messy, but like, you know, when you got that hall of fame quarterback, it's like, you know, we're still going to win a lot of games. So like, he's finally going to be a little bit under fire this year with Mitch Trubisky and a rookie that's not really highly heralded coming into the league as a draft prospect. So, right. Uh, he's got to do some work this year. He's, he's actually got to work for a living now.
1: Yeah. And that's probably why he was using his starters more than other teams because they don't have the quarterback settled. In fact, Mm -hmm. we finally announced that Trubisky will be the starter over Kenny Pickett, uh, to the surprise of nobody, but Pickett did show some good things here and there against second and third team defenses. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe there's some hope for the future but it might be rough uh, initially especially because i think that offensive line while improved a little bit is not a plus offensive line either no
2: it's still one of the worst in the league so like that's and harris might be a little banged up as well so they can't yeah. hang 400 plus touches on him this year it like i said tomlin's going to have to work
1: for a living this year it's, it's going to be a different situation 100%, 100%. So we'll be watching that one closely. Another one I'm watching closely is I've got some exposure to Alan Lazard in leagues. I, I'd speculated he'd be the top wide-out target for Aaron Rodgers. Maybe not the top target. That could be Aaron Jones. Uh, But I, I I still think Lazard could be pretty handy, and he's falling in the seventh and eighth round in managed leagues. Uh, he, He's he been out of practice for about a week now. They were kind of quiet at why. about why. Now they've kind of acknowledged that he got – Stepped on I almost you know transitioning from Tomlin to the this news same sort of thing with uh, Harrison Harris and now they're talking about that with Lazard we just know it's lower body right now when we know he didn't practice yeah. today so I'm
2: less concerned with Lazard mm-hmm. obviously you monitor this as things go along. so look I guess I have tiers for this stuff so like Wednesday practice uh, is in a different tier from Friday practice for structural sure. injuries are in a much different tier for me than just aches and pain injuries. They have some great drugs that they can distribute on Sundays to make these guys not feel pain for like four hours at all. And they just go out there and do their job. So if this is just a pain management sort of a situation for Alan Lazard, then he might be fine. My question is, and like, I know we're just in the injury portion, but like this is going to be a very interesting situation if Lazard is questionable or possibly can't go or isn't hundred percent and might only play a limited amount of snaps. The hype beast for the last month uh, at wide receiver has been Romeo dubs Right. So, or Dobbs, sorry, not Dubs, Uh, What does this do to him if Lazard is out? Is it just him and Watkins in two receiver sets this weekend?
1: Uh, That's a great question. It's a really great question. I, I mean, are there going to be times when you see Jones and Dylan on the field at the same time uh, to kind mm-hmm. of counteract the lack of trust? Roger seems to me like a big circle of trust sort of guy. I mm-hmm. mean, and we don't even know if Tunyon's going to be able to play. That's another one where yeah. it – Tunyon also was of the mindset that, you know, I remember his quote was not exactly glowing with optimism. Yeah, it's
2: going to be uh, one. You do have to be in his circle, right? Like he, you do have to have his trust for him to throw you the ball. And I know that there's been that uh, narrative that he's never thrown the ball to rookie wide receivers. But like, you know, Devonte Adams and Jordy Nelson didn't do much. Uh, Mm -hmm. When they were rookies, however, they were like third, fourth, fifth on the depth chart. The wide receiver room when they were rookies was a lot different than the wide receiver room this year. There's a lot of vacated targets, obviously. Devontae Adams gone, as you mentioned, Tunyon not be ready. And now, if Lazard is gone, that's every target from last year vacated. So they're gonna have to be soaked up by somebody.
1: And when you think of trust, you think of Sammy Watkins, right? Really? Um, (laughs) That's one player you can trust for one week
2: a year. Luckily,
1: it's that week. It's true, it is true. So is he a DFS play for you? No, no. <laughs> Dobbs, Dobbs <laughs>
2: would be though. He's like yeah. minimum salary on on Draft Yeah, Kings. that's true. Like if he's if he's on the field eighty percent of the time, I'm probably going to be clicking his name a lot.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Do you uh, have a preferred platform? Do you prefer DraftKings, FanDuel, uh, any other platform?
2: Uh, those are the two that I play on the most. Okay, I play. I I kind of split my play
1: between DraftKings and FanDuel. Okay, very cool. We'll talk more about that momentarily. Uh, a couple other news items. One very positive. I mean, we've been in a little bit of negative. How about Chris Godwin? We're talking about mm-hmm. maybe missing four weeks, torn ACL, torn MCL, uh, and yet he had a full practice, no brace on his knee. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like, like, for all intents and purposes, he's going to play on Sunday night. I'd maybe argue that he doesn't get full reps, uh, and I'd be careful about playing him. But, I mean, this is, this is really good news.
2: Exactly. So it's obviously a tough injury to come back from. Everybody recovers differently from those sorts of injuries, but he was in camp from like day one. We thought that he wasn't going to be there. He was practicing with a brace. They did get some backups uh, or depth, let's say with Julio Jones and with uh, Russell Gage, who I expected to run in the slot for a bunch of the times. Like we're kind of talking a little bit with these injuries about snap percentage. I wouldn't expect that normal 85 plus percent snap percentage Godwin in week one, even if he is able to go, he they're probably going to ease him back in. It's way more important for a Tom Brady led offense to be healthy, uh, in December and January, and for them hopefully into February, as that's what they're planning, than to play 90% plus of the snaps in September.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely, Uh, that makes a whole lot of sense. There, uh, one last news item here, um, Michael Thomas limited at practice on Wednesday, he's missed the last couple weeks because of a hamstring. He is the poster child for being anti-injury optimistic uh, from the last two Mm -hmm. seasons and whatever's happening, what's happened with his ankle. Uh, We'll see was the quote uh, from Mm -hmm. uh, Dennis Allen about Thomas's uh, availability there uh, per Mike Triplett. Uh, We'll see where he's at, but he's certainly progressing.
2: Yeah. Percy Harvin award winner, Michael Thomas.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I've walked away with no no shares of Thomas so far this season. i have I, kind of in my rankings. I've ridden the roller coaster a little bit, but I, I haven't been able to click that button. Not once. So I hate
2: making do not draft videos, right? I mean, we make right. a ton of content. We have to fill that. Uh, we have to flood the space in the offseason. We have to put out content. And obviously there's must draft. And then everybody likes the must avoid videos. I hate doing the do not draft or must avoid. So I kind of shaped it around. I'm, I have not drafted any of these players because I do right. like 100 plus drafts every summer for because of best ball. Uh, so I was like, here's guys that I have not drafted. If you want to draft them, you go ahead. But here's who I'm not drafting, but I'm a little bit afraid. And Michael Thomas, obviously, if he plays a ton and gets, he's not going to get 30 to 33% of the market share targets anymore. But like, what if he got 25 to 27%? Yeah, it's scary. He can do some things in the seventh round. But like, I I wasn't clicking him because, you know, Percy Harvin, like, for you and I, being Angelinos and, and a little bit older, you know, we've got a little bit of the gray hair. It's like yes, it used sir. to be Mike Marshall with, you know, the sprained eyelash and he'd miss two months of the baseball season. <laughs> then it became Percy Harvin in yep. the nineties and early two thousand. Now it's it's Michael Thomas. Hey, I, I bumped my I stubbed my toe in the middle of the night. I'm gonna miss two
1: seasons. Do you remember Chris Brown, the third baseman for the Padres and Giants? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think he he actually had the eyelashes as an issue at one <laughs> point in time. Uh, he passed away young. R.I.P. on him. But it yep. was it was exactly one of those type of players. Um, you know, I, I always yeah. There's there's certain guys like that, and early, early, early on, you probably could have gotten them pretty at a, at a reasonable price. And I just even then, I I was chicken little, just couldn't do it. Yep. So. There you go. Um, before we move on and start talking uh, lineups for this week, a uh, quick note from one of our sponsors, Monkey Knife Fight. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. Jeff Erickson here. I'm here with Al Zeidenfeld. We uh, have many, many platforms for Al to talk about uh, and the things that he does. Al, week one is a different beast than any, any other mm-hmm. week in the season in the, for in the DFS world. You get your salaries way in advance. Mm-hmm. It's an it's a open palette. When you first When they first release those salaries, what's the first thing you do?
2: Uh, so I look for the inefficiencies. I look for the poorly priced players, players that are just way too cheap. And then obviously more things like that are going to happen as camp goes along. So like you're always going to be – you're never going to be short for value in week one because right. for a couple reasons. Obviously week one is the big week on all the sites and they're trying to – uh, they get the the largest amount of traffic, especially new customers that come into the site. So if that's the case, they want to make it as fun as possible for them to make lineups. So they're not really going to tighten the screws on you in terms of the salary. So they're not going to make it tight. And then obviously because the salaries come out like a month, five weeks before uh, the season starts, you're going to have injury issues. So like there's tons of value uh, right. most specifically at the wide receiver position with like uh, we had mentioned Romeo Dobbs before, if he is, a starter, he's 3k on DraftKings, that's the absolute minimum for wide receivers. Uh, Wandale Robinson forced into slot work for the Giants, 3k Dotson on Washington, 3.4. Uh, but like even before that, like Kadarius Tony was 4.1, and I thought that that was an egregiously low price versus uh, what everybody else is. So, like, there's plenty of value at wide receiver, uh, and then there's one at running back with Damian Pierce, who's another one of those hype right. beasts through the month. But like, do I really want to play a running back that's an eight and a half point dog? He's cheaper than he should be in that situation because he was not the starter or assumed to be the starter back when they released the lineups or the salaries on like August the first. So he's artificially low. But like, I'm not sure that it matters all that much with with him. The wide receivers are where all the value is,
1: right? And in the case of Pierce too, you got to imagine that's where the market's going too. Yeah, if you're worried, and I'm not. Okay, this is me not being a DFS pro. I'm just someone that dabbles in DFS.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Roster percentage, you know, how, how big of a concern is that when you've got, you know, a, a really low-priced, obvious guy like Pierce? Mm-hmm. So here's, here's the thing.
2: If you're playing cash games, so let, let's define those as anything that pays out 33% or more of the field. Your triple-ups, your double-ups, 50-50s, head-to-head games. Mm-hmm. Percentage doesn't matter. Okay. right. In fact, it works in your in your favor because it becomes kind of a prove it to me or show it to me sort of a situation. So like if Christian McCaffrey is going to be one of the highest played players on the slate, he's 8600. We all know what he can do. I don't have to define it for you. Right. But especially on DraftKings with full point PPR and bonuses for 100 yards, he can double bonus, get you three points for each. It gets a point for each reception. You know, he's gotten like average, like eight plus targets uh, each of the last week, three week ones that he has played. He projects, even without a touchdown, to score a ton of points. So a lot of people are going to be on him. But, like, I'd rather make my opponent figure out where they're going to find those 25 to 30 fantasy points. You just play him. Where okay. in a tournament, it's a different sort of philosophy because, like, I don't have to finish first in a cash game. If you're playing in a 100-man 50-50, I just got to be in the top 50. I don't have to be faster than the bear. I just have to be faster than you. But in a tournament, I have to, like, outrun everyone, right? Where, like, there's 100,000 people that are playing – And I have to get 250 points, 225 to 250 to have a realistic chance of winning the money. And the majority of it, 20 to 40% of it is in first place. You're going to have to take some chances. You're going to have to avoid some players. You're going to have to leverage versus the field. If everybody's going to be on Jonathan uh, Taylor, maybe you stack Matt Ryan. Like if they're going to score 35 points, Taylor might not have five touchdowns. In fact, he might have one or zero But what if Matt Ryan throws three or four and he's going to be at a much lower percentage, especially when paired with one or two of his pass catchers? uh, That's a route to the top as opposed to just following the herd in tournaments. Cash games? Go ahead. Go with the herd. Play the
1: right players. Do you prefer playing more of your action in cash games or in tournaments? So... uh, It, this isn't do what
2: I say, not what I do sort okay. of philosophy. So, at high stakes, the game is different than the game is at low stakes. So, a lot of, of my audience plays, I mean, just because of the pyramid of like there's less high stakes players than there are low stakes players, right? Uh, so, you end up grinding steel on steel when you get to the top of the the food chain with $100, $500, $1,000 plus uh, buy in games we're all working off of projections at that point. We all understand game theory. We all know who the right players are. So in head-to-head games, it's literally like a one versus one in your lineup. If you're playing nine players, seven, eight of them are the same as like everybody else that you're playing. And then you're you're coin flipping with one player versus one player. It's like, I'd rather not play that way. So my play is trended more towards tournaments uh, because it's a different game and I can play percentages versus the field and leverage and know where the crowd's going to go. And then I can find ways to differentiate. Uh, but for lower stakes players if you're somebody who plays like 20 to 500 i know it's a wide range but if you play mm-hmm. between $20 and $500 every week maximizing the amount of opponents you can get in those $1 and $2 head to heads because of that being the fat part of the pyramid uh, the scores the average score line in cash games at that level is lower sure and so there's there's bad players at every buy-in level there's just more of them percentage-wise at the low stakes And there's more players at the low stakes, meaning that you have a much higher percent chance of matching up against a bad player who's going to fade somebody like Christian McCaffrey in week one and not play the obvious value play that's 3K uh, and you can really clean up. So I just can't make enough money in one and $2 head heads and I'm limited to playing like 20 or 30 of them. It just doesn't make sense anymore. But if you're one of those smaller tier players or sorry, smaller bankroll players, it makes a ton of sense to put like 50% of your money into of your spend every week into head-to-head games at one dollar two dollar three dollar because high stakes players one aren't allowed to play that level and two even if we were we're capped at playing a certain amount of them and you can't make enough it's like okay you have ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars out there in term and entry fees and it's like okay you have seventy dollars in head-to-heads all right so you know, thank God I won those those sixty dollars in head to heads because that put me ahead for the week. No, that's that that's impossible.
1: All <laughs> right, you know, right, you have exactly.
2: to you have to play the higher dollar stuff, so you're kind of herded away from those. So you're away from the sharks a little bit at the one, two, three dollar range. And there's a lot of people that that just aren't good at the game, especially early in the season. Yeah,
1: and arguably the ones that are bad at the game and play at high stakes, well, they don't stay there very long because no. then they they get pruned. Whereas you have a better chance of sticking around at a lower buy in level for a mm-hmm. much longer time. That's yep. part of the argument in favor of doing that. If you're a mm-hmm. relatively new or just, you know, aren't as good at DFS.
2: Yeah. But like it's, it's play the right plays in cash. Tournaments is where you can get cute. And especially uh, the first four weeks of the season. Cause like you and I study this stuff constantly and we have ideas. We know what offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators have done. We can assess rosters and things like that. But, like, we think we know who these teams are, but we don't always have the exact right idea. Things can change. Like, uh, and the example I always use is the Dallas Cowboys from, I don't know, like five years ago when DeMarco Murray was, like, the guy. The Dallas Cowboys were one of the worst teams in the NFL on paper coming into that year, specifically defensively. They were horrifically bad, almost historically bad defensively. Right. And their coaching staff recognized that. And none of uh, the fantasy analysts gave, myself included, I'm not like pointing at anybody else, you know, the the quote, oh, the experts didn't see this coming. Um, But none of us thought that that defense was going to be any good. And in fact, it wasn't. Like on a per-play basis, they were one of the worst defenses of all time. But their coaching staff figured this out and said, you know what? What if we just don't let the other team touch the ball ever and just give it to DeMarco 400, you know, 80 times or whatever he got it that year right? and we'll play keep away. And he was like the best play ever, but nobody played him in daily fantasy the first two, three, four weeks of the season. So if you were on him, you made a ton of money because you weren't going where the crowd was going and you were making that contrarian play. So the best time of the season for you to trust your narratives, for you to trust yourself over data is when we don't have as much data. So the best time to be contrarian is September when it comes to winning or playing in daily fantasy tournaments. Trust yourself early in the season. So to that end, what is mm-hmm. one good contrarian play this season? This, like this week or this season? This week. Let's go this week. So for me, it really comes down to leverage, right? So players are going to be priced at whatever their their price is and then projections are going to come out and daily fantasy becomes so much of a projection-based game uh, mm-hmm. At this point, with everybody having access to great projections, you guys have your own set at RotoWire, right? Uh, right. And they're they're time tested, and you guys believe in them. And if you say, well, this player is projected for X amount of points, but his price is Y, that puts him at a good value in daily fantasy this week. I kind of like the guys that that are you know going to be high ceiling plays, but may not be a great play in terms of their points per dollar. So like this week for me, there's two. They're price players. I'm going to pay up to be contrarian on somebody like Tyreek Hill or Justin Jefferson. They're, okay. Hill is priced a little bit lower, 6,800. Uh, and Justin Jefferson, 7,800. Both are fantastic plays. Both can blow the roof off of a slate by themselves. And if you're telling me they're going to both be less than 15%, that's a player that I want to spend up to be contrarian on, especially when the standard build this week is going to be to pay up at running back and look for value at wide receivers. So I can pay up in a position where other people aren't and get access to a superstar or two that's going to differentiate my lineup from, from other people.
1: Right. And especially you're talking about McCaffrey being the plug and play option there. Mm-hmm. Uh well, if, if you can't really it's hard to afford both Jefferson and McCaffrey, so that's a good mm-hmm. alternative to try to find that there. Yeah. Spend where they're not, zig when they zag. From Al Z, zigging and zagging. I like it there. Uh, quick note before I move on, we'll talk about more things about this pl- slate and maybe some of the differences between the two, uh, the two major sites uh, as well. And this is from our friends at Hoffer. Hoffer proudly brings you fantasy sports in your complete control. Goodbye are the days of salary caps and house-based games. Instead, say hello to simple fan-made custom contests. On Hoffer, you create contests on your own terms. You pick the entry fee, you pick the number of seats, You pick the athletes, you pick the stats, you pick it all. Choose between one of Hoffer's 12 different gameplays, then set the basic contest terms and write the multiple choice questions, which can be as easy as more passing yards, Mahomes or Brady. Let your sports imagination run wild. It's only contests made by fans for fans on Hoffer. All contests feature live leaderboards to track your progress during the game and full player transparency to see who you are competing against. Unlock a $50 deposit bonus and earn an additional $10 for each friend you invite. It's a whole new world in the DFS game, and Hoffer is ahead of the pack. So don't wait. Download Hoffer, that's H-O-F-R, and challenge your friends today. All right, I'm here with uh, Al Zeidenfeld. We're talking about a lot of week one. We're talking about his approach. Um, You know, know, one of the things I want to ask is, like, you know, Do you, when do you start building your lineups? How quick, like say not this week, because this week, obviously you have a lot more lead time. Mm -hmm. Are you like on it? Like Monday night, Tuesday morning. Like how quickly are you in building your lineups for the upcoming week?
2: I used to be, I'm not anymore. So like now, and maybe uh, the content schedule that I have keeps me and protects me from myself. (laughs) <laughs> because I feel like it becomes a game of, of telephone. When you start making lineups on Monday and then Tuesday, and then when, by the time you get to Saturday, it's purple monkey horseshoe, and it doesn't sound anything like it sounded on Monday. And your, first, your initial stances were probably somewhat right or more right than when you get to like your 56th iteration. Right. You know? Uh, so I hold off on really making lineups until Friday afternoon. I put out my content. All of my content is done by the time I'm done with my stream on Friday afternoon. Then I sit down and I start making allocations for tournaments. That's when I build my main lineup, uh, my high stakes tournament lineup by hand. That's when I make, maybe if I'm going to play a three max game, I'll make my other two. And then I start working on uh, with an optimizer about trying to leverage the field and working on my uh, quarterback pairings and double stacks and bring back players and secondary stacks and getting all that together. Then I take Saturday completely off. Uh, I spend Saturday with my family because I've been working all week on football stuff and, uh, yeah, and I get back to work early Sunday morning until kickoff.
1: I like it. I like it. And, and it's so important to strike that work life balance or mm-hmm. football life balance as the case may be. Uh, we are blessed to be able to work in something we love. So mm-hmm. it, it's very nice to be able to do that. But, uh, I, I like, I like that you, you have that full Saturday there, uh, spend that time with the kids, coach them up, uh, I've been coaching yeah. soccer for 14 years. You're coaching mm-hmm. baseball and coaching is the best. I love coaching it's got a lot of pluses there are some
2: minuses obviously yes <laughs> unfortunately yes. there are there's always going to be minuses but yeah the, the pluses vastly outweigh them
1: i always say use force would be great if there weren't any parents but uh you know <laughs> that, that that's usually the minus side uh, yeah thing. but luckily i've even been kind of lucky there so that's pretty good same uh okay knowing your game that you're playing is important too obviously mm-hmm. you, you change things a lot like I don't do well in showdown slates. I don't do well in like single game Mm -hmm. contests. I I prefer a a wider game slate. Do you, how much are you invested in the, the smaller slates? So I'm a main slate
2: player primarily. Okay. I play Island games, but I really only play them for the bankability factor. I'm trying to win the big tournament on that. So I'll, uh i have my lineup building style which i've been completely transparent with on all of my videos like here's how i'm going to build lineups it's going to be 100 done through the optimizer i'm going to focus on these things i'm going to manicure it very slightly um and i'm not trying to minimize the game because there's a lot of strategy that can go into it some people are really good in my community at single entry showdown stuff right uh i like to play the the 150 max big tournament where there's like a million dollars up top and you're not going to win it solo but like Maybe you split it with less people. And for me, like I said, I'm not trying to minimize it, but it's kind of like Keno uh, on those <laughs> showdown slates. like, look, I know what my process is. Uh, it's different from you Keno. I don't have a crayon. I'm not just guessing at stuff. Like I have things that I know work from a math perspective with fantasy football. Uh, I get the combinations that I want. I enter in the game and I watch the game and then I don't check the standings until like two minutes left because showdown moves way too much. Uh, but that's my approach to that. It's way different from my main slate play, but I don't play like the two game slates. I don't play the, uh, you know, there used to be like a Monday, Thursday slate back in the day, like the prime time slate. I don't like the two and the three game slates as much. I'm a main slate guy. I like the big prizes that are on the main slate. And I like having more options that I can use to leverage against other people where if everybody's going this way, I can find a route over here, uh, where those two roads diverge in the yellow
1: wood. How much uh, did you play in the preseason? Are you into that at all? I used to be, but not as much.
2: Yeah, um, Like six, seven, eight years ago, uh, preseason was a totally different animal. Like you could play in the Hall of Fame game and everybody would like 30, 40% of the field would have the starting quarterback and like just dead spots on <laughs> their lineup. People are way more in tune now with everything. So the edge is still there, but it's less there than it was in years past. And like, it's just not that fun to me. So like, uh, I prefer to stick to the the regular season stuff. I take as much time off in the off season as possible. And that includes from playing preseason fantasy football. Right.
1: And you also play a lot more DFS and best ball than you do managed teams in the se- for season long, correct?
2: Yeah. So the only two managed leagues that I was in last year were the Scott Fishbowl, which I'm in again this year. I enjoy nice. doing the Scott Fishbowl. Um, and last year, I don't know if we're doing it this year, but last year we did a uh, guillotine league, which was so much fun. Yes. Uh, At ESPN, where you draft, it's an 18 or 17, personally, I forget it, it was 17 or 18 with the 18-week season, but you you basically draft for every week, and every week, somebody's eliminated, and all their players go to the waiver wire. I sweated that as much as I sweat my my DFS lineups, and it was a totally free league just for content purposes, but I really, really enjoyed that play style, because it was just different.
1: It is. It is. It's a fantastic format. I jumped Mm -hmm. in a couple of them last year, and you know, luckily made it to the finals in one of them, although unluckily lost in the finals, totally mm-hmm. unlucky. It wasn't just a uh, skill or anything at all, but uh-huh. no. Uh, but the, the tricky part there too, is like, okay, do I go all in on this free agent in week two or mm-hmm. do I try to manage it and try to pick off bargains here and there? Cause as you go on the quality of the waiver wire gets better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you want to be able to have a little bit of leverage as far as that goes, but uh, it, it's great. It's a fascinating concept. And I've, Love, love doing it. I think I love that. There's that. There's like, the you know, like vulture leagues, or you know, there. People use different phrases for it. There, where one person like starts with a team that's like built off of the waiver wire undraft. You have to have to be a little bit thinner to begin with there. And you, mm-hmm. you guys do the draft, and I'm going to come in and take the leftovers, and I'm going to beat you with that, and then I'm going to take your. I get to take your player, something like that. So I love, right. I love that. There's so much creativity with all these formats. Like playing for pink slips. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, it, it's tremendous. So I love seeing that there. Uh, I love that there's all these different ways, but, uh, best ball, um, what were what were your, uh, like when you, with your roster builds? was there like a theme for you? Or is there a certain way you like to build your best balls this year? Uh,
2: I focus on correlation with, through the quarterback, but sometimes that's tough to get. Right. Um, but I do want to build like a double stack around my quarterback with two of their pass catchers, minimum, uh, there's very few that I would go to three or four with. Like if I have the bills, I don't mind having all the bills. If I have uh, the Buccaneers, I don't mind drafting three, uh, other Buccaneers, but like, if it's not as heavy, a past oriented, like if I have Jalen hurts and, and Brown, I'm probably not going to go get Devontae and Goddard and somebody like, they, they're just not going to throw it enough to, to mm-hmm. warrant doing that but like the high volume super high volume ones that throw it 650 plus times a year yeah i'll load up on those guys uh i got week 17 correlation wherever i could get it but i didn't force it i wasn't reaching by like a round or two to get it um because i play mostly tournament best ball as opposed to cash game or sit and go best ball right where sit and go is a 17 week regular season with no playoffs it's just a total points league so yeah you want to draft the the most value that you can get. Uh, You want to draft volume. You want to try and have the the highest floor team on it every single week, as opposed to tournaments where it's total points, but only for 14 weeks. And then it turns into daily fantasy for the playoff weeks, week 15, 16, 17, when you're going to come in like top two or three in this really large group of 20 to 700 people, depending on the size of the tournament you're in. So you got to play for all the money. It's like, you know,
1: like people like putting all their eggs in
2: one basket, but like, When you're playing for literally all the eggs, it's not a bad strategy.
1: Yeah. like So, for instance, Best Ball Mania 3, you're going to be more focused on an approach like that. That makes sense a lot there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any common mistakes you see in, in playing in a contest like that?
2: In Best Ball? Yeah. The biggest mistake that people make in Best Ball that I've seen in tournaments, not just this year, but it was really prevalent this year because of how much content there is out there about people stacking and how powerful stacking is people who are not drafting their own team in your friends and family league. Like, you know, if if you and I were in a league and I saw you get a guy, I might, I might grab your quarterback from you because I can needle you and I can poke at you and it's fun. And we're in the room Uh, and correlation isn't as important in a one man league, but in a tournament it is. So if you snipe somebody else's quarterback, you see that they drafted, let's say Jamar chase in the first T Higgins in the second, you say that they went after Austin Eckler in the first Keenan Allen, the second Mike Williams in the third round. Right, You kind of know where they want to go with that team. They want to draft Herbert. They want to draft Burrow. So reaching ahead of ADP to snipe that that quarterback from the stack does not help your team. In fact, it, it only hurts your team. If the quarterback has the year that Team A that was stacking them believes that they're going to have, you've just fed all those hungry beasts on Team A's team. And they're probably going to beat you because they're going to have a different quarterback and the band of quarterback scoring is not that wide. So their team's going to beat you if the quarterback has that MVP caliber season. If the quarterback stinks, your team sucks too. So so there's no winning if you're paying attention to some other team and saying, I'm going to take this guy from them because I know they want to stack. You're sinking your team and you're also maybe sinking their team, but neither of you wins. It's the ultimate in crab uh, philosophy. You know, All crab right. mentality. So I'm, I may not get out of this bucket, but you ain't getting
1: out either. Right, right. Uh, I I think that's great. I think that's a, a you know I, I like hearing that too because I mean there is a natural instinct like I gotta oh I see this guy's trying to do this mm-hmm. you know I, we got to stop him no no Don't have no to price stop enforcing. him draft
2: your team and yeah. assume that everything's gonna go according to your plan
1: exactly. We got to take one more break here. Uh, mm-hmm. We are all of our podcasts are on the Blue Wire Network. We're going to put in their ads and do one more read real quick.
3: Mm-hmm. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try and I can tell you firsthand eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor, it's the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal, pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50.
0: indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
1: thanks to our friends at the blue wire network we're also going to share a note with vivid seats hey football fans get your jerseys and on and your tailgate the tailgate snacks ready that's right nfl season is back and so is your choice to score tickets with vivid seats download the vivid seats app or visit vividseats.com to see your team's schedule compare tickets and secure your spot in the stands As the only ticketing company with a reward program, Vivid Seats is the winning app for NFL fans like you. Earn credit when you buy 10 tickets, then cash it in to catch more games all season long. With tickets from Vivid Seats, you'll go from watching the game to being a part of it. Go to vividseats.com or find us in the app store to browse unbeatable seats. We'll see you in the stadium. I've actually used uh, Vivid Seats. I did a college trip with my daughter. Went to go see a Padres game that was sold out. Worked out pretty well, so that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, uh, I like it when a, a sponsor is someone I can actually use every once in a while, that's that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, let's talk a couple differences. Uh, I want to get uh, what are the big differences between when you're playing a main slate on DraftKings versus FanDuel? Uh, what are the key differences?
2: So, uh, obviously the scoring, right? So, right. it's basically the same roster format uh quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, tight end, uh, and a defense. The scoring is the main difference. So on DraftKings, there's 100-yard bonuses and it's full PPR. So it's a different game than FanDuel being half PPR with no bonuses. Okay, uh, It's more reliant on touchdowns, which makes it a little bit more random uh, and less volume-oriented than, say, DraftKings is. Uh, the value plays on FanDuel are a little bit different. The pricing is slightly different. DraftKings uh, has a little bit of a wider band where the most expensive player can be 10K, but the cheapest player can be 3K, where on FanDuel it's a, a bit of a more narrow band. I think the cheapest player is 4,500 mm-hmm. up to 10K. I think uh, just Jonathan Taylor is like 10 this week. Uh, so the pricing is a little bit different, but the game is mostly the same. Uh, but I would focus more on touchdown opportunity and touchdown percentage and touchdown upside on FanDuel as opposed to DraftKings where you can get away with Uh, just drafting players who are going to get a ton of volume specifically in the passing game where you want to target
1: targets. Right. So a guy like, for instance, McCaffrey has got a little bit more power on DraftKings than he does Mm -hmm. on FanDuel. You know, I know that's an obvious – or Eckler, for that matter, too. Yeah,
2: Yeah, so, I mean, Eckler had 20 touchdowns last year, too. How sticky that's that's going to be from one year to the next, I don't know. But, like, a player like Debo Samuel, who on DraftKings' second half of the season was a bit of a stickier play – uh, a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, major uncomfortable because he wasn't getting a ton of targets. So the floor, the ceiling difference was massive. On, on FanDuel, it wasn't that big because you wanted that touchdown possibility. Same with Derrick Henry. Way more palatable a play on FanDuel on a week-in, week-out basis because of his touchdown equity that he brings into every game versus on DraftKings where he can have, you know, 80 yards rushing and no touchdowns and have no catches, and that's eight fantasy points as opposed to somebody who had... 80 yards on four or five
1: catches and massively outscores it. Right. Um, do you find that uh, one particular platform and the other misprices a certain type of player or a specific player? Mm, I, I don't know if it's a
2: specific player. The last few years, DraftKings has had tighter pricing than FanDuel. Okay. Where uh, even though they have a wider range, even though the, the volume values can really be predominant especially on a week like week one I used to do a FanDuel first look video on Tuesdays and a DraftKings first look video on Mondays I don't do the FanDuel one anymore uh just because I have a lot of content to do and it just kind of got left on the cutting room floor but people would take my DraftKings lineup from Monday and try and plug it in on FanDuel and it was something like the the DraftKings lineup if you plugged it on FanDuel would be like 5k under the salary cap on (laughs) it like you could the DraftKings one here's the DraftKings. I can't even get close. I, you know, I could I could have two more superstars on on FanDuel with the lineup that you just put in. So FanDuel was a lot more friendly, let's say, uh, to newer customers, or you could have much more powerful lineups. Maybe to make up for the fact that
1: it was more touchdown oriented. Sure, that makes sense. As a volume player and a player that likes to play in tournaments, would you prefer tighter pricing or a little bit more uh, wiggle room, like you would have on FanDuel?
2: I, uh, it kind of doesn't matter to me anymore. Like I used to have, I used to say that I won more when it was softer and I did. Uh, It was easier for me because people would be able to fit whatever they wanted, but no matter where you ratchet it, if you, if you loosen it up a lot, people are going to focus on specific place. If you tighten it up a bunch, they're going to say, this is the only play because it's the only value play. But the, the constant between those two is the crowd is going to be in location a, and if you know where the crowd's going to be, you can find alternate routes uh, to give your lineup leverage over the field. So, like, that's really the only thing I'm doing. It doesn't matter to me if they're in place A or place B. Uh, what matters to me is just having the idea and the knowledge of where they're going to be populating so that I can fill a vacated space somewhere else. That's, that
1: makes sense. Uh, I always hear, like, poker players, like, some poker players say, mm-hmm. "Well, I want to go play at a level where they respect my raises. You know, I want to play at a tougher table because yeah. you know they don't do this donkey stuff. and other people are like, "No, give me this soft table every time." Yeah, and so it's it's I was wondering if the same applies in DFS.
2: It's different in poker. Like I played like I was on the poker tour for a few years before right. I started doing fantasy. And like, you just play differently. Like if I'm at a at a professional level table, I'm gonna be able to read the table and do certain things that I want to do. If I'm at a table with like, like I play now with like a two table dad tournament, yeah, on like a weeknight, and like the, some of them are just playing five card bingo where they're just not gonna fold ever to any bet, and it doesn't matter what they have. They have third pair, they're not going away. You can beat that game. You just have to play differently. Yep, that's you know? true. Like, if the table's loose, you play tight. If the table's tight, you play a little bit looser and splash around a little bit. It's uh, it's very art of war. If your opponent is weak, attack. If your opponent's strong, retreat.
1: Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, let's look at week one. Um, mm-hmm. Quarterbacks. Uh, is, is there a particular player that you find that you'll – You don't have to I don't want you to like tell me all of your plays. Obviously, you've Mm -hmm. got your own content to provide, but Mm uh what's one player you can tell me, either uh FanDuel or DraftKings, one guy that you you think you'll have a decent amount of exposure to?
2: I think Jalen Hurts is gonna be extremely popular Mm -hmm. uh for good reason. He averaged like nine fantasy points a game last year just with his legs. Before he threw one pass, he was getting you nine fantasy points. And because the wide receiver room has been beefed up as well as it has been beefed up, bringing in a true alpha and then having somebody like Smith being on the other side facing single coverages accomplished the route run as he is. And as solid a tight end as he has in Goddard and a good pass catching core of uh, running backs that could drastically increase his passing efficiency and efficiency, not uh, volume is what leads to quarterback scoring in fantasy. So, right, he'll still bring all that value with his legs and could see increased efficiency through the air. And he's like a thousand less than all the big dogs on DraftKings, where Herbert and uh, Mahomes and Lamar are from like 7,500 to
1: 8,000, where Hertz is 6,800.
2: I think he's going to be extremely popular. This yep. Uh,
1: conversely, is there one that you just think that is either Really bad matchup or bad price? Uh, is there someone that you won't be rostering a whole lot of?
2: There's a lot that I don't roster. I don't play a ton of quarterbacks. So like that's, okay. uh, I, I everything to me is around stacking uh, for okay. tournaments. So like I want to get quarterbacks that I think are in positive situations that could uh, get me a 30 plus point game on DraftKings. So if I don't think that they have a ceiling above 30 points, I'm probably not going to play them. Uh, of the expensive quarterbacks, like if, if to put, to go out on a limb i guess i think all of them are in play the one i'm least excited about would be aaron rodgers of sure. the of all the tough from jalen hurts being 6800 uh mahomes herbert jackson murray rodgers and hurts are the top six priced quarterbacks on draftkings i would say my least favorite of that grouping would probably be aaron rodgers only because of the diminished wide receiver room without Adams and now it possibly is without two of his favorite pass catchers that are returning uh if Lazard doesn't play and Tunyon can't make it back either sure they might just have a very grind it out slow the game down run it with our two running backs run it 40 plus times uh and not give him the amount of attempts that he would need uh to get it done
1: I'd agree and in fact I'd go one step further I'd like if, if you are, if you want to look on the gaming side of things, I like the under in this game. I, I think this is going to – I know the Rams want to probably pick up the pace on this one here. I think the Packers are going to lean on their defense a lot, especially early on as he gets used to his new receiver as Rodgers gets used to his new receiver core. Mm-hmm. This is a strong defense anyhow. It was a slow offense already anyhow. How many times mm-hmm. did we see like Rodgers always hit, run it down to two or three seconds left on the play clock? Um, this is already a feature with this offense, and I think it's only going to be magnified this year
2: you you very well could be right it's just a, you know it's a situation where i'm not this is a game that has a high total with them against minnesota and he right. has outperformed his average fantasy points per game against the rest of the league the last 3 years by 10% uh yeah. if he aver- you know like he scores more fantasy points against minnesota defense than he has against anybody else the last 3 years it's true but like if i'm spending up a quarterback he's probably the one i'm least excited about playing yeah, on this weekend slate, I'd rather play Kyler. I'd rather play Mahomes, Herbert. Like, give me any of those other guys.
1: There's a couple of big divisional games. Uh, that that yeah. game, Cincy Pittsburgh. Another mm-hmm. one, New England Miami again in Week One. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like they keep doing that matchup in Week One. But mm-hmm. usually, you kind of wait to see those later in the season. It's interesting to see these right off the bat.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's oh. weird. It's weird to see all that stuff in Week One. It's usually a couple of weeks in.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, I know you got a lot of uh, things on your plate. Uh, So thank you for taking some time with us today. Uh, Tell everybody again where they can find you. So I
2: stream every day on Twitch five days a week, and I stream the last 45 minutes before kickoff every Sunday. Uh, Videos two a day on YouTube on two different channels article on thursday on espn plus it's called best buys and the fantasy focus podcast you can find links to everything that i do in smizzle.tv slash links it's all in one place that's where the link tree is you can find everything that i do as well as the charity fundraiser that we're running this year trying to raise a hundred thousand dollars for no kid hungry
1: how do you tell me more about that
2: uh we did it last year community raised thirty five thousand dollars uh so our community goal is fifty thousand dollars this year and i'm going to match Uh, every 10,000 that we raise. So when the community gets to 10, I'll add another 10. When they get to 20 from the community, I'll add another 10, all the way up to 50,000 from the community. And I will at that point, hopefully have donated 50,000 myself, getting us to a hundred thousand dollars.
1: I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, please check that Uh, link again on that one. Uh, It's all in the list. Smizzle.tv slash
2: charity, but all the links are in the link tree at smizzle.tv slash links.
1: All right, there you go. Al, great talking with you. It's you too, It's been a while since we've seen mm-hmm. each other at a conference. So glad to do it this way. And mm-hmm. maybe we'll see each other at Chevy at every once in a while. Uh, sure, we're, we're each playing less softball than we used to, but maybe we'll cross paths there too. Uh, big thanks to everybody for listening in. Thanks for your questions. Good luck in your first, uh, your lineups here in week one. Take care.